0: On the phone with us from the ABC Forecast Center, meteorologist Thomas Keyboy. Good morning.
1: Morning, Leslie. Happy Wednesday. We're halfway through the work week, and we're going to get more snow for today. We're already seeing snow in Park City this morning, and the roads have been running slippery. So if anybody's getting ready to head out and about, definitely a good idea to give yourself extra time. But the chance for snow is actually going to continue through today, and it might actually pick up a little bit more by the time we get into this afternoon because we have our next cold front that's set to move in. So once we get into the afternoon and evening, we're going to have that chance for snow showers in Park City. And there's also going to be at least some snow squall potential. It's not necessarily a guarantee that we're going to see snow squall. Falls. But at the end of the day, that all all that all you need to know is that some heavy snow can't be ruled out by later this afternoon into this evening. Which could definitely lead to more issues out on the roadways and by the time we get into this afternoon and evening we could see possibly over a couple of inches in park city and maybe several inches depending on how heavy the snow falls it's going to be one of those situations where some spots not going to see too much by this afternoon and evening while other spots will definitely see some healthy accumulation so anybody planning that evening commute already just needs to be prepared for some slippery conditions just in case outside of any wet weather today we'll see mostly cloudy skies in the wasatch back a daytime high climbing to 34 in park city Then as we get into the overnight hours tonight, the snow showers will gradually begin to clear as this is going to be a pretty quick moving system. And with that cold front moving through, the overnight low tonight will be dropping to 10 degrees. And with winds out of the northwest, with gusting maybe as high as 30 miles per hour, windshield values could actually drop below zero. So going to be a pretty cold start to Thursday. But Thursday as a whole is going to be a calmer day thanks to high pressure briefly building in. And a daytime high will climb to 35 degrees. So even though we're going to get a cold front tonight, which is going to make it feel quite cold tonight, Tomorrow we'll see a a similar daytime high to today thanks to a southerly flow quickly returning. And as quickly as that high pressure builds in, it's going to start to move away. And active weather will be the name of the game going from Friday through this upcoming weekend. On Friday, the daytime high will climb to 41 degrees, which means we could see rain and snow in Park City. And then we'll hold on to that chance as we go into our Friday night as the overnight low only drops to 30 degrees. Then daytime highs over the weekend will range in the mid to upper 30s. Overnight lows will be in the 20s. Snow will be likely both days. And then we could continue to hold on to the chance for wet weather into early next week. But with daytime highs more so in the low 40s, it's still going to be that chance of rain and snow and overnight lows will be around 30 degrees. So it's going to be a little bit of a tricky forecast once we get into this weekend, thanks to those temperatures warming up in low 40s in Park City, Leslie.
0: Okay. Hey, thanks so much,
1: Thomas. You're welcome.
0: KPCW Newstime now, 808. And with a look in the backcountry on the phone with us from the Utah Avalanche Forecast Center, we've got Mark. Good morning, Mark.
2: Good morning. Today, the danger is moderate
3: on all aspects and elevations. Um, Hard and soft slab avalanches remain possible within layers of new snow from the last two weeks. Although these layers are bonding to each other and the likelihood of triggering a slide is going down, recent avalanche activity is a good reason to remain pretty conservative today. Uh, It's only been about 48 hours since our last heavy snowfall. Like you heard in the weather, we're gonna get a brief break here, more snow tonight, another break on Thursday, and then a really crazy weather pattern over the weekend. So we have a pretty good snowpack, but uh, there are a lot of layers and crust and things that have formed during and in between storms and all those are things on which avalanches can break.
0: Okay. Thank you, Mark. It's 810. Good morning. I'm Leslie Thatcher. It's the KPCW local news hour. We'll stay tuned coming up uh, later this hour. i will be checking in with park city manager, Matt Dias with a preview of Thursday's city council meeting and Heber Valley chamber executive director, Dallin kosher with uh, an update from the Hebrew Valley. But first, it's day number three of the KPCW Winter Pledge Drive. And in the studio with us, I've got KPCW General Manager Renee Bodley Miller, along with uh, Jacob Musick, Vice President of Food and Beverage for Deer Valley, and Susie English, Vice President of Marketing. Welcome, and thanks so much for being with us. Good, Good morning thanks for having Thank you. us. Good morning. And
4: Renee, let's kind of get a recap of where things stand here going into the last two days. We ended day two with $147,000. We raised just over 40 grand yesterday. So big shout out to everyone who came in yesterday to help us raise money. That was the Park City Mountain Epic Promise, Recycle Utah, Mountainlands Community Housing, and Bridge 21, PC Reads, People's Health Clinic, Summit Community Gardens, and Mountain Trails Foundation. Those nonprofits, Leslie, all won free underwriting for the next six months. That's our way of saying thank you to them when they come in to help us raise money. Today, as you just said, we've got Deer Valley in for this hour. Then next hour will be Utah Avalanche Center. Boy, it's going to be interesting hearing from them about this season. 10 a.m., Christian Center, and 11 a.m., Youth Sports Alliance. So we've got a great lineup for this morning. And I have to tell you, I've gotten some feedback from our listeners that they appreciate how we do this fundraiser because we're not just tooting our own horn the whole time. We let these other nonprofits come in and share what they do to help the community. And what we like is that they explain to our listeners how the radio station helps them do what they would like to do to help everybody in our community.
0: So it's a win-win. Yeah, and uh, you can help support the work that KPCW does by calling 435-649-9004. For pledges made this hour, Deer Valley is offering a pint of ice cream from the Deer Valley Creamery with every pledge made. We have just a half dozen of those. So call now and grab that, 435-649-9004. Let's talk a little bit about uh, ice cream, Jacob. Um, You guys have your own creamery?
5: That's right, so last, I guess last spring, um, we acquired uh, a good amount of ice cream Equipment, and we decided to make our own ice cream. And then, a couple of the big hits at Deer Valley are the cookies and the carrot cake. So oh I yeah. said we need to make some carrot cake and chocolate chip cookie ice cream. And we sold about a thousand pints just the first sixty days. And we kind of just keep it rolling, and we sell it year-round now.
0: Okay, all at the grocery and cafe. Is you, that where you can
5: get it? At the cafe, the summer concerts. Uh, every dessert at Royal Street, at Mariposa, Cast and Cut, the ice cream that's on those plates is is our own ice cream.
0: Ah, nice. Mm-hmm. Anything besides ice cream, or do you do the cheese, or just sticking with the ice cream?
5: Right now, we're sticking with the ice cream.
0: Yeah, there's mm-hmm. lots of good cheese makers out there. There are. Yeah, four three five six four nine nine zero zero four. Well, this is interesting. So let's talk a little bit about just the the winter I have had. Even the most die-hard uh, skiers that I know little bit lamenting (laughs) the snow (laughs) and I think it's just because we have to push it around and and drive in it but I mean for for Deer Valley it's been just a boon huh
6: yeah it's been just wild I grew up here um lived here my most of my Mm -hmm. life and I don't really remember a winter like this maybe it's because I have to shovel on my own now but (laughs) um we're at 446 inches um it's one of the top five snow seasons we've ever had uh looking back you know, to the beginning, we didn't start reporting at the same time of year, and so there's some question of the top season. Um, but it's really snowy, and the skiing's good. I I know Steve Graf, our uh, VP of Mountain Operations, was like our team's a little sick of shoveling out lifts and sidewalks and, but it's been great. I mean, good, good problems to have.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause we would be complaining the other way too. Right. If we, exactly. right? we had that like the January, February thaw last year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what, what has that done to this, the staff? I mean, right. It's, it's taken a toll.
6: Yeah, I mean, we're we're really well staffed this year, which is a, another good problem to have. Um, you know, last year was a little tough on the staffing side. And so we have a great team. I think our leadership does a really wonderful job keeping the, the team you know, motivated and um, people are still out there and enjoying the snow and smiling at guests. And so,
0: yeah, people are hanging in there. Yeah. What do you think changed, though, in terms of staffing between last year and this year? Was it still kind of a COVID it may be related delay or i yeah I'm not sure do, do you have thoughts on your team on
5: we well for us we changed a little bit of our recruiting strategies mm-hmm. we look towards resorts that aren't busy in the winter um, that are busy in the summer to do some exchanges working with culinary schools and things like that for food and beverage and then we did we really focused on our pay and yeah. make sure our hourly wages were where they needed to be um, and it, it kind of all fell into place
0: all right looking for phone calls now at 435-649-9004 looking for 25 phone calls i think we've gotten three so far do you guys have the thank yous in front of you at this point
6: yeah Yeah, um mark miller renee's lovely husband (laughs) um is a ski instructor at deer valley first time at uh first season at Deer valley and we're so happy to have him Um, and his comment was from a very happy ski instructor and then Colleen Reardon, love Aww. Colleen. She renewed her yeah, Broadcaster Club membership. Thanks, we miss her greatly, but it's fun to see your name on the... Thank you.
5: Yeah, I've got three right here that came in overnight. So we have Sarah Phillips, thanks for all you do. Jay Dyer and my man, Anthony
0: Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thanks, guys. 435-649-9004.
4: Please give us a call or you can donate online at kpcw.org. I know there are a lot of Deer Valley employees out there who share Mark Miller's sentiment about being happy to work there. And I was sharing with Jacob and Susie before we walked in. Leslie, I get a picture of what Mark is eating for lunch every day because they have an employee lunchroom, and he'll send me pictures of beef stroganoff and salmon and chicken alfredo. Yes, and uh, Leslie it costs $3.50 if you're an employee, so he's really happy about that because he's also, um, I don't want to call my husband cheap, (laughs) but he, he appreciates a good bargain. So anyhow yeah he set it up there today and i know that um his clients have been really happy with all the great snow that we've had this year so if you like skiing deer valley if you want to give a shout out to deer valley please give a call 435-649-9004 we have four uh phone volunteers who are standing by to take your calls sarah it looks like all of them are free how many phone lines they're they're free they'd love (laughs) Yep, they're all free. Give them a call. 435-649-9004. Okay, and so what's the goal again for today in terms of
0: Um, money raised? So
4: right now we we entered the day with $147,000 and Sarah and I crunched some numbers last night and we're hoping that we can cross the $200,000 finish line today, Leslie. Um, which means we might have some interesting announcements to make tomorrow morning. But um, I'll just leave that hanging out there as a big tease. Um, But if we can raise $53,000 today, that would be great. And Deer Valley's got us off to a strong start because we've already raised 3,550, which means grab your noisemakers, everybody. You got noisemakers next to you. (laughs) We've already crossed the $150,000 mark, so that's great. Okay, we're going to
0: get to uh, an interview with uh, city government. We'll be back right after this. Good morning Well, the Park City Council. will get an update on the Homestake Affordable Housing Project at its meeting tomorrow. And in the studio with a preview of that and more, I have Park City Manager Matt Dias, along with Environmental Sustainability Manager Luke Carton. Good morning, guys.
3: Good morning. Good morning, Leslie. How are uh, you?
0: Doing great, thanks. So the meeting starts at 345 with a study session. This is uh, your, your uh, bailiwick here, Luke. Uh, community waste reduction strategies. Does this have anything to do with the anticipation of Recycle Utah moving its center and what amenities we may be wanting to look at in a new facility?
7: No, so this is actually a little broader. So the thought is, you know, there is talk at the county level to look at a regional transfer station. Recycle Utah is busting at the seams as everyone who, who knows has been there for the past two decades. Um, So that's a side discussion. This one's actually looking at more of the ordinance based piece of what we did is we looked at some model ordinances that already existed out there. And Salt Lake City actually has a great one and the thought would be implementing it up here to say, hey, if you have trash, you have to have recycling and or glass collection and or green waste collection and or food waste collection. So we kind of leave it fairly open, but the goal is to say, you just can't have trash. You need to have most likely recycling available as well. So we looked at Salt Lake City's code, and we uh we had to put a conceptual ordinance up here so we took salt lake city's code and kind of park city it a little bit and there's three major areas that we look at waste generators right so if you Generate trash if you're a business, nonprofit, whatever. And we set a threshold for that too. Um, And again, all these are concepts to be discussed. 96 gallons a week. You might say, well, that's kind of a weird number. Think of a curbside trash bin. Those are 96 gallons. Um, So you have the generator piece, and there's a couple of pieces in compliance in there. Then you have the hauler side. Say, hey, if you're an authorized hauler, you have to comply with these things. You have to register with the city, you have to disclose your. uh, how much you haul annually. And the reason we want to do that is say, hey, as we look at these policies, are they being effective? Um, And then the, the third chunk of it is special events, saying, hey, special events, here are some different ways to comply as well. Um, so that, that's how it's broken down, and again, it's based off of Salt Lake City's code. I did look at some other uh, regional partners, too, and, and just kind of see what was out there, but that's the main drive behind it.
0: Yeah, and I think of, you know, when we talk about special events, Silly Sunday Market, I don't think anybody does it better than them,
7: right? 100%. Yeah, they, they do great, great work. I think they're over 86%, somewhere in that range, high 80s, which is, which is very impressive. And the goal is, uh, the way it's written in there is to say the large events need to look at their both pre-event setup their during event stuff and then their post event cleanup stuff too and the goal will be to eventually ramp them up to about an 80 percent diversion rate and we believe it's actually very feasible done with good planning so that way everything's just you know anytime you see a big event in town there's just big dumpsters out there and everything's getting winged in the trash um that's an issue and really quickly leslie the driver behind this is our landfill's filling um, and every single time they fill a cell, which they're about to do in the next two to three years, is another three to five million dollars cost that comes out of the county's general fund, to say, hey, we have to go kind of build a new a new bucket to put the trash in. And our and if you look at the twenty eighteen uh, solid waste master plan that the county completed, then they also did a waste characterization study, which looks through the garbage that came through the landfill. We ran one for the HPCA. We also ran one for our residential trash a lot of the things we get rid of are very divertible. And the county's solid waste master plan identified roughly 80% of the stuff that goes across the scales at three mile landfill is divertible. So truthfully, it just makes sense for the community. And Park City is a large share of that trash, right? If you look at, you can kind of correlate sales tax numbers roughly to the resort economy that, you know, makes tr- trash and solid waste in that side of it as well. So it's just kind of saying, hey, this isn't cutting edge or anything like that, it's just pretty much saying, hey, we should make sure that we're diverting, especially cardboard and all these other pieces, from our landfill.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking, though, I um, the majority of that divertible
7: stuff is food waste? Food waste is a, is a major part of it, as is cardboard. And, and I'll, I'll approach those kind of two different ways. Food waste is the heavy stuff, right? And food waste is a big piece. For the HPCA waste, characteri- waste characterization study, which is a mouthful, it's literally went through the garbage. Um, Food waste was about 80% of what we get rid of there. Um, the the other big issue, though, truthfully, is, is landfill fights with with cardboard because cardboard's not heavy, but it takes up a lot of volume, and that's that's what you're fighting at the landfill is airspace. So it's, it's kind of a one-two punch there, um, and that's what we wanted to start addressing of saying, hey, let's start getting some pathways developed, and people say, well, <clears throat> there's not a full-blown food waste system or recycling system or something like that, so our thought would be as this ordinance would come into effect, you would stage it, right? Hey, let's get the haulers on board first. Let's see what haulers can haul what. Um, We've talked to a few different haulers and they're definitely willing to be able to ramp up um, and start helping us kind of tackle this issue.
0: Okay. At 4:30, Matt, an affordable housing development update for Homestake. This is the project for 99 units of deed-restricted affordable rental housing, along with 24 market-rate units. It has already been approved by Planning Commission. My understanding: the staff report reads that the applicant requested no variances for parking setback, density, and heights. But just to be fully transparent, had that uh, original property owner still owned that land um, under that. All of that has changed. I mean, right? We've allowed less parking, bigger setbacks, more dense buildings to try to make a project like this happen.
3: Um, I, I think that's a fair question, but yes and no. Um, so we have a new section of our code, the Affordable Master Plan Development, which to your point is uh, progressive zoning. The intent is try to incentivize public-private partnerships to develop, to develop affordable units. Um, so what we've done here is we have a project that has by and large, uh, met our regular codes, um, and then takes advantage of a few of the elements for the affordable master plan development, but conversely. Um, You know, the development could have sought uh, large parking reductions and did not it could have uh, sought large setback Setback reductions, um, but it did not so I think yes and no it's a performance-based zoning uh, Trying to deliver more affordable units in our town and these are rental units that we're producing hopefully for the first time so You know, we're very excited about this project. However, um, you know, there's still a bunch of questions along the way. There's sort of some toll booths that we have to go through. Um, although we had a unanimous decision by the planning commission to forward the item, um, We still have to negotiate a ground lease with the individual that we're doing a public-private partnership. You know, the intent of that is can we share some of the responsibility, some of the financial risk, some of the environmental liabilities with the private sector and perhaps defer some of that off of the taxpayers. And then there's some additional questions about parking and occupancy and electromagnetic fields that council wants to spend some time on and be deliberate about.
0: I want to ask about the parking. It's expected there'll be 300 to 350 people living there, um, 140 parking spots. That includes, like, the 12 visitor on-ground uh, parking spots. So where do where does the rest – I mean, that means that one unit per one car, but, I mean, given if there are more, where do they
3: go? Well, I'm <clears throat> I think, you know, th- these are uh, <laughs> these are sort of – These are community and social questions that we're going to have to ask ourselves moving forward when we have... Land that's situated in the heart of town um, That has six or seven different bus lines running around it and through it and a host of uh, additional connectivity through trails and otherwise and ancillary services What type of parking amenities do we want to provide for an area? And I think you know looking ahead I, I think some of the parking minimums and parking requirements um, Have created the types of development that we have and I I think you know as the world change and as the world evolves and as we continue to invest in our Transit system and park once philosophies. I don't think there's a single person out there that I couldn't sit next to in a coffee shop or when I'm standing in line at the supermarket that isn't upset about the volume of cars and the volume of traffic. So the individuals living here will have to live somewhat of a different lifestyle, and that's that's what we are encouraging, and that's why we're providing all these additional support services. However, um, the facility will have, at minimum, uh, one parking space per unit. That's underground and a heated garage that has uh, 24-7 security and video cameras and key fobs in and out. And then I think it's also the municipality's obligation to enhance the regulations in the street environment around it. Mm -hmm. I think for decades, like a lot of areas in Park City... Um, The parking and on-street parking that are just totally unregulated, and there was really no reason to regulate it. The demand wasn't high enough, the uses and the intensity. But like most things, that's evolved and that's changed. And so there's a coupling here. where you have a a public-private partnership trying to shed some of our risk, and then the city's going to have to overlay a comprehensive transit and on-street parking program like we do in the Old Town area.
0: It's estimated to cost one and a half to two million dollars to remediate the site. Given the soil underground, is this is the plan to to keep it on site or to haul it away?
3: I think it's probably a little bit of everything. To be honest, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. Uh, we're continuing to do some soil testing at the site, and uh, we obviously have a soils ordinance in town, and uh, we're going to have to comply with federal, state. And local regulations. Uh, the fact that there is underground parking will involve some soil removal, but obviously, to the extent that we can keep soil on site, we'd like to.
0: All right. Finally, the council set to get a 2023 Utah State Legislature update. Um, good, bad.
3: Well, <laughs> how about all of the above? I'll just take you up on that. Um, you know, we're, we're very lucky to have an experienced team of council, professional staff, some of the best lobbyists, and uh, a prominent member of the Utah League of Cities and Towns. Um, but we we had some, you know, this was a considerable session. I think there was more bills considered than ever. You know, so thousands of bills are being considered in this 45-day compressed time period. Um, I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to do it this way as a state. I think there's probably going to be a reflective moment where it's nice to you know have an interim session once a month throughout the year and then force everything into this compressed time period. I'm not sure long-term that we're going to be able to sustain this. So I think, you know, even the legislature may have a reflective moment moment here but for us lots of work on fractional ownership and we weren't successful Uh, we worked on short-term rental bills a host of land use uh, bills uh, affordable housing financial bills sort of you name it a comprehensive list and uh, unfortunately we had some wins and some losses
0: yeah senate bill 271 specifically I mean it's uh, dealing with the fractional ownership basically I mean the city has spent lots of time you know coming up with ordinances to regulate this does anything get grandfathered here or is that just all of that wasted work and it's like uh, you know it's a free-for-all
3: Yeah, well, I think I'd like the the moniker to be something different than wasted work. I think we embodied the spirit and the character and the authenticity of our town. We fought the good fight. We stood on our principles. And sometimes that is worth the effort alone, and we have an obligation to represent our our residents and our businesses here. And uh, win, lose, or draw, I still think we did the right thing. I think the time was well spent. Um, Unfortunately, uh, this wasn't something that we could push back on or fight. It was overwhelming out of the gate. And you know, when we're working the legislative session and evaluating bills, we have to make a determination about where to spend our time, our resources, and our capital. And unfortunately, um, senators were lining up, sort of proactively seeking out industry representatives to run a bill for the fractional ownership industry. So conversely, um, you know, this wasn't one where I feel like there was a particular company or a particular individual that was, you know, going after legislators to run a bill for them. You know, I'd learned that this was actually the inverse. Uh, We had legislators that were very excited to be a leader in this industry, wanted the deregulation. And unfortunately um, it wasn't a good use of our time to get up there and beat the drum. Um, We actually followed the lead of several other cities and towns like st george and moab that testified at the hearing proactively and sometimes it doesn't benefit if park city's the one up there sort of slamming its fist on the table we provide our resources behind the scenes our lobbyists works and we all interact with the legislators but at times it makes sense to have us not at the testimony table and unfortunately right out of the gate the votes just weren't there for us in this one
0: okay i have got to leave it there matt luke Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, appreciate it. You're listening to Local News Hour here on KPCW. And welcome back. Day number three of the KPCW Winter Pledge Drive. It's about raising money to help support your community radio station. We go right to you now, the listeners. Big thank you to all of the business donors throughout the year, to our broadcaster club members who are sustaining members as well. And uh, to those of you uh, like Deer Valley who has us underwritten on kpcw all of these years deer valley resort back with us we've got susie english and jacob music uh, to um, help raise even more money we appreciate you guys being here Um, any thank yous that we can get to
5: i've got two right here from mark davis thank you to deer valley and kpcw for all that you do for our community from the proud deer valley employees at silver baron lodge and then anthony flores the one and only (laughs) love skiing the chutes and eating at the spoon which is our employee dining room Thanks, Anthony.
6: And I have one here, Dan and Stephanie Obradovich. I might have butchered that last name, so sorry. Thanks for keeping the community informed.
0: And thank you. Thank you for those phone calls. Again, we're looking for uh, 19 more calls here in the next 25 minutes, 435-649-9004. Again, for those of you uh, calling in with a pledge, we've got uh, six pints of ice cream from the Deer Valley Creamery that will add on to any of the premium items that you may choose. Love to hear from you now.
4: That's right, and Leslie, um, as Matt Dias and Luke were talking in here, um, especially about the Senate Bill 271, Again, that's just such a great example of how important a local news source is. When Matt first came on your show and talked about that, then Parker started reporting on it. Then Robert Gurky at the Salt Lake Tribune, it caught his attention. And really what caught their attention was not only the fractional ownership bill, but the amendment that um, they wanted to put in, they being some Republican legislators, um, la- allowing um, someone to build underground up at the top of Treasure Hill without um, city um purview and so that amendment ended up being voted down and we've heard from several legislators including representative brian king who admitted publicly that if it were not for local media that this amendment may have had a different outcome so if you appreciate the role local news plays in your community please make a donation i know so many listeners leslie tune in between eight and nine to hear you deliver the news of the day and interview our local newsmakers. If you're one of those loyal listeners, please give us a call, 435-649-9004. And, of course, another thing we do every morning are the trail and snow reports, and we hear from someone at Deer Valley every morning telling us what groomer's choice is, how much snow you have, and um, they must have had a really challenging year, Susie. <laughs>
0: 435-649-9004. Let's talk quickly. I know you guys got uh, pass sales. Uh gonna happen here soon it's that time of year
6: yeah it is that time of year um so we will have an announcement what's today wednesday Mm -hmm. it's gonna go out tomorrow um so icon and local passes will all all of that information will be released tomorrow and then um on sale is a following uh, about a week later so You'll
0: see that in the morning. Okay. Um, yeah. How were pass sales? I mean, there was uh, a lot of talk about uh, Icon did pretty well for this season.
6: Yeah, but you know, both Icon and our local season pass. When we get snow, locals like to ski, so it's not. It's definitely not just Icon pass holders, um, but people are excited about the conditions this year, and we've seen a lot of you know a lot of local skiers, which is great.
0: Yeah, I and mean, I'm guessing you see a lot of folks then from the Cottonwood Canyons come over on those big snow days when we see the canyons closed.
6: Yeah for Mm -hmm. sure i mean i think with icon access that is that's one thing that has definitely changed um our our operation and we spend a lot of time talking about what's happening in the cottonwood canyons which i would say we didn't do in the past um and this year again with the snow they have had a lot of a lot of closures and we even see an impact when they announce like you know a midnight closing with a Mm. you know to be announced opening and so people then just make their decision that day um i think snow basin was new on the icon pass for the season and that has helped um kind of spread those cottonwood skiers out a little bit more and um i think they're also having a great year based on what i've heard up there i need to make it up there
0: but yeah and then the the resort's decision to employ its own shuttle out of treasure mountain junior high school Why, why why that rather rather than just how as we saw buses to the resort from the high school
6: yeah so the high school really um as you know is dedicated to park city mountain and they've done a huge push to um you know provide private shuttles and buses and all of that they've done a great job this winter with that parking situation, so we have um, a limited number of street parking days that we have in our agreement with the city. It's about I think it's 10% of our operating days, 14 ish days a year, um, and so we were coming up on that number based on the you know how how busy it's been and little cottonwood people coming over because of all the snow um so we decided to implement treasure mountain parking um we've had a lot of conversations about richardson flat and you know what the best option is for our guests we felt strongly that a direct shuttle from treasure mountain for this year is the best option um and we're having a lot of conversations right now about what are we going to do next year you know a a direct shuttle from richardson or is it you know, I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but we always have the guest experience in mind and we want to make sure that it's it's as easy as it can be to park off site for our guests.
0: Yeah. Does it make sense then? I mean, if you're at Richardson and then drop folks off at Mayflower or at the, the gondola there? The Deercrest gondola we have had that
6: exact conversation mm. actually just yesterday we were talking about that i think you know one thing with the gondola is it was not built it's not like this giant tram like mm. at snowbird right so the uphill capacity is not quite as um large as we would ideally now with with um, the skier numbers we're seeing want. So that is a limitation over there. So I think for the time being, it would be uh, something direct to, to Snow Park.
0: 435-649-9004. Again, looking for 18 more phone calls here this hour and would love to hear from you now. We're talking with Jacob Music, Vice President of Food and Beverage and Susie English, Vice President of Marketing with Deer Valley Resort. Um, let's see, you've got a number of uh, Opry ski Activities happening Jake, you want to tell us about that i noticed one was the uh, high west whiskey lounge that was
5: we do so last year we we partnered with high west and we built had live entertainment high west on the ski beach at silver lake it was such a great success people were shaking our hands thanking for thanking us for bringing some excitement to the ski beach so we did it again this year um it's going to be on march uh the weekend of the 16th uh for four days uh so we have high west there we're bringing in some entertainment from las vegas um from uh, from from las vegas to play and uh, the four days is just all about whiskey cocktails um, on the ski beach with some fire pits and whiskey s'mores it should be a lot of fun
0: okay what else you got going
5: um, so we have brews and tunes which is every single weekend at snow park lodge so we bring in entertainment locally uh, for that and all local breweries um, it's kind of what we saw with the beer fest last year uh, all local all utah all the time with our beer program and huge success so we kind of spread that out all season for the winter and uh, you can come grab some swag from a brewery, um, taste some new locally made beers and enjoy some entertainment uh, between 3 and 5.
4: I was going to ask how late does that go? Is that a really happening Opry ski scene these days?
5: Uh, it's getting busier and busier. Um, definitely there's a limited amount of apres in Park City, and we're trying to kind of create that vibe. And, uh, yeah, it's getting busier and busier. It goes until about 5, 530.
4: It's mm-hmm. nice because it helps spread out the outgoing traffic.
5: It does. I mean, you can either sit in traffic a little bit through Park City um, or you can have a couple beers and some nachos and sit in less traffic later.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. we all like that.
5: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: 435-649-9004. We need a, a paella report how did it go
5: <laughs> paella is it's it's since i got to deer valley it's like the one thing that's like after my name i think it's <laughs> this eight foot paella pan uh, but it goes very very well we've done it multiple times um, we're waiting for that break in the weather to have a bluebird day where it's a little bit warm enough to cook it out on the ski beach uh, but expect to see that this through the rest of the winter we want to do it at least three times on the ski beach at silver lake or, or up at empire um but it's a huge hit big 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 hit for Deer Valley.
0: Okay. So we should make that part of the ski report just so we know when to go. Yeah. <laughs> we can do yeah. that. Yeah.
6: We'll make sure to send you a note.
0: Okay. 435-649-9004. Would love to have some more phone calls. Do you guys have any thank yous here before I <laughs> break to get to? Yeah, time? I
6: have one here. Karen Schibler. Shebel. I was inspired to call in. Seventh winter working at D V and happy to represent the D V difference. Thanks, thank Karen.
4: Thanks, Karen Schiebel, You're awesome.
5: I have uh, Brianna Calloway called. Thank you, Brianna. And then Diego Zagara. Thanks to Susie English and the Deer Valley team, even though I'm a snowboarder. <laughs> it's all good.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Diego. 435-649-9004. Nine, nine, zero, zero, and big thank you to our phone volunteers. Today or this morning, Bill Lassar, Kim Fraunberg, Rachel Salmon, and Abby Phillips there answering phones. Um, and they're ready to take your call. Again, at 435-649-9004. We're going to take a short break. We'll be talking with Dallin Kosher with Heber Valley Chamber. You're listening to the Local News Hour on KPCW. Good morning. Joining me now on the phone with an update from the Heber Valley Chamber Bureau is Executive Director Dallin Kosher. Good morning, Dallin.
2: Good morning. How are you?
0: Doing great. Thanks. So the monthly chamber luncheon will be held March 21st with a bit of a spin networking bingo. How does that work?
2: Yeah, so this is a a fun event where we get a lot of our folks who enjoy the Networking opportunities of our lunches, and sometimes when we do this uh, lunch and learn and trainings and other things, we don't give a lot of people time to, to interact. So this is a solely a networking event. And as people register, we encourage them to uh, to uh, write down unique questions about or statements about themselves that that then we'll, we will populate in bingo cards. So that you, know, you might get to as you get there, you get this bingo card that says. Uh, I climb Mount Everest, you gotta find the person who climbed Mount Everest and then uh, go around and, and talk to them and all these different fun things. So it's just a way for us to create some interaction for, for folks. But sometimes if you're like me, sometimes I, I get a little, little nervous at those uh, networking events. So it's nice to have a reason to talk to people and, and, and a way to break the ice.
0: Great. In April then, it's the Ask Heber Valley Community Expo. When and where is this happening?
2: So this is happening on April 22nd at the Wasatch County uh, Rec Center and this is an event that we've been been playing um, with for a few years now and finally getting it off the ground and this is an event where we have um, over 70 vendors coming to uh, have with different things related uh, from different businesses in our community from you know some food fun stuff to um, stuff for your home things you can get for decor um, any uh, anything any business can, can, can come to it but this is in a way for our community to come out and get to know our local businesses so we'll be at the rec center april 22nd it is free admission mission for for folks to come out and enjoy and we're going to have 300 bags for the first uh first uh, 300 people to come in doing some giveaways and other things to get people to come out and and uh, visit with our businesses we hear a lot that uh, people are like i just didn't know who was here and i didn't know that this was that you were here and we're trying to shorten that gap ways for people to get to know local businesses and provide, and these businesses provide some fun uh, deals at the show, and we look forward to having this event. It, looks, it, should, be, it should be a lot of fun.
0: Okay. Um, you launched Donuts with the Director in February. Uh, the next one is happening April 12th. Are you getting a good turnout for these?
2: Yes, yeah, so we had about 12 people come to our, our last one. Uh, I'm taking a page out of my friend Jennifer Westhoff's book where she did the coffee chats with the CEO. I thought, I went to one of those and a couple of those, and I thought this is a really neat thing. And you know, it's a low key uh, way to get to know businesses and also to get feedback and to see what the concerns and ideas that, uh, that are in the community's mind. So we decided to launch that as well. So and I really love donuts. So people love, I feel like people enjoy donuts too. So we just decided to do donuts with the director and, and uh, wait for people to come out and share any thoughts. You know you have thoughts about uh, what we could do in our downtown how to improve it or uh worries about affordable housing or you know other things just we want to get feedback from our businesses and our community so we work a lot with our city partners and, and county partners and local governments and we can provide feedback and insight to, to the councils and stuff on a timely manner that will give us opportunity to create some synergy and do things that will actually uh, okay. uh, benefit all of us.
0: So when and where will that be?
2: So that'll be on April 12th. That'll be at the Visitor Center, our chamber office at 475 North Main in Heber. Uh, we, it's a free event. Uh, we just ask people to register so we know how many, how many donuts to get. So go to go hebervalley.com and uh, on our events page register for okay.
0: that event. So is it a day-long thing or just a couple of hours? It's
2: just just a couple of hours, just from 830 to 8 30 to 10 really really chill kind of come out and
0: have fun okay and uh, finally envision central heber and i'd like to talk more about that maybe we can do that next month but the next public meeting coming up may 3rd i know that you sit on the steering committee so um you're going to be looking for public input at that may meeting
2: so yeah we've been taking public input throughout this whole process Uh, it started i want to say probably first of the year and we've been doing uh, a series of public outreach events. So the Envision Central Huber is essentially looking at the core of Huber City, that means, meaning the, the downtown area of Main Street from 5th North to 6th, 6th South, or 12th South, and then um, the neighborhoods, um, east and west side of, of Main Street, and additionally the, um, the railroad area for a recreation zone. So we're, the idea is to look at ways we can plan for the future growth of that area and what we can do to make it more hospitable and more fun for residents and visitors alike and so we've been looking at getting feedback for all those areas because we know the growth is continue to happen so we want to see and get a feedback from the public about what's happening and what what they would like to see okay and at the may 5th meeting we'll be talking about uh um, going through we've gone through this process so far share where we're at and um and what the vision plan is at that
0: point okay people can get more information at envisionheber.com hey Dallin, thanks okay. so much for your time this morning
2: thank
7: you
0: kpcw news time now eight forty nine. Coming up now on 850, good morning, and it's day number three of the KPCW Winter Pledge Drive. I'm Leslie Thatcher, along with Renee Bodley-Miller, working on the Deer Valley Challenge. Here we've got Jacob Musick and Susie English with the resort joining us this hour. We appreciate all of those who have called in so far, but looking for more calls of support. We still got 10 to go. Let's uh, get to a couple of those, though. Susie, you got them? Thank you, sir.
6: Well, thanks. Thank yous,
0: Brian and Heather.
6: Brian's our VP of Finance and Ticket Operations, (laughs) and Renee's neighbor. I think or closely. Thanks, neighbors. Yeah, thanks to Renee and KPCW, and Jacob and Susie for all they do for the community. Um, Sean Railton, Abby Railton's dad. She worked with me in my department for a while. Love her, miss her so much. She moved to Denver. Um, Hi to Susie, Jacob, and Leslie. Thanks for all you do. Uh, Pamela and Arthur Bingham. Thank you to KPCW for all you do. We appreciate the morning news, weather reports, and local activities and Randy's afternoon hour. Uh, Jessica Jones, KPCW, KPCW from Randy and Jessica in Midway. Can't imagine life without you.
5: Thanks so much. And then I have two. Uh, Dennis McCormick, thanks for calling in. And then Dave and Jean Olson love streaming KPCW from Chicago and dreaming about skiing at Deer Valley.
0: 435 <laughs> 649 Hey, a reminder also that the Summit County Council is holding its final public hearing on the Dakota Pacific Revised Development Application at Kimball Junction tonight. That's happening at Ecker Hill Middle School 6 to 8 30 p.m., or virtually via Zoom. I'm reminded that the council is scheduled to vote on this application at its meeting next week, March 15th. So we're going to change gears here real quick, and we're going to move from winter to summer. You guys, I know, have made a few announcements in terms of the Deer Valley uh, Concert Series. So want to tell us what you've got so far and how many more we should expect? Yeah, so we
6: have announced three shows so far, Michael Franti, Camp and Kenny Loggins um there was some serious demand for those three shows and right now they are sold out um, which is awesome so there are s- tickets that pop up on the website so if you're really really excited about one of those shows keep checking back um the hope right now we're working on one to two more that will announce um i i don't have any additional information than that right now but um i think we'll have a couple more so that's exciting and then we're working with the Um, Utah Symphony and Opera, and that announcement will come out in a couple weeks um, for their series, the Deer Valley Music Festival. So exciting stuff, and I know um, Jacob has some really amazing plans for that venue, Paella, um, lots of cool, like a little food food area and some cool new stuff that we'll be doing this summer.
0: All right, well, tell us about that then. What's planned? Because I know that I think that was probably the biggest complaint was people miss feeling like they were missing the music by standing in line. Right, right. Trying right. to change so, that around.
5: Yeah, so this year we're going to really invest um, in some... In the experience there, we're going to build some custom beverage areas and actually build the infrastructure to handle the volume of people because it's all about listening to the music and enjoying the company you're with instead of standing in line. Um, So we're really making a huge effort to change that this year. Um, We're going to build a little food and beverage village right when you walk in on the right hand side, hopefully over there, um, to where you're still part of the action but able to to grab uh, grab some food and some drink um, and increase the infrastructure for beverage throughout the entire venue as well.
0: Yeah, what is mm-hmm. the big best seller there? Um, the
5: burgers? The, the burgers are salads. always a big seller. Uh, the paella, every time we did that, mm-hmm. that sold out really quickly. Wow. Um, but then the local beer offset here in Park City is we've, we've really grown to love those guys over there. And uh, every time we have that on tap, it, it flies out of our bars. So uh, definitely look to see offset there this year as well.
0: Four three five six four nine nine zero zero four. Again, the uh, last eight minutes here of the uh, Deer Valley Challenge. Uh, we've been with Jacob and Susie all morning long here, and looking for your calls of support. Again, uh, listener contributions making up about a quarter of the. Uh, BUDGET HERE THAT IT TAKES TO RUN AND OPERATE THE STATION FOR THE NEXT SIX MONTHS. SO um, WE KNOW THAT uh, NATIONALLY ABOUT 10% OF uh, LISTENERS TO PUBLIC RADIO ACTUALLY CONTRIBUTE TO PUBLIC RADIO. We're not asking you to, to fork over thousands of dollars, but we would like you to think about the value of what this service provides, whether it's the, the on-air time that you spend with KPCW, perhaps uh, you enjoy the daily, or I should say the weekday uh, local that uh, gives you a recap of all of the uh, day's news. Um, perhaps uh, you're a big music fan. Maybe you have uh, found uh, been reunited with an item from the Lost and Found. However that is, however you use the uh, the station, now's the time to, to step up and say, yeah, you know what, this is something we're supporting financially. We've got terrific premiums. They've been donated. That means that all of the money raised goes directly to support the programming and operations here of KPCW. So we'd love to hear from you. 435-649-9004.
4: And I think we have more thank yous to read.
5: I've got two right here. So Jenny Dearson, thank you to Deer Valley uh, for all they do. I enjoy working with all of you and appreciate the support of KPCW in our community. And then Hans, who is a local and Mm -hmm. longtime Deer Valley fan, thanks to Jacob for all of his hard work in turning around food service at Deer Valley. Thanks, Hans.
6: And I have one here, David Treadway. A big thanks to Jacob, Leslie, and Susie, and thanks to KPCW for all you do for our
4: community. And Leslie, we heard from the fellow who streams from Chicago and dreams about Deer Valley. We heard from Julie Hopkins, who's a board member and underwriter on KPCW. She has a client in Washington, D.C. who said, Hey, I just heard you on KPCW. I tune in every morning for the ski report. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we're sort of this fantasy for folks who wish they lived here and they don't and they just want to pretend like they're about to go out skiing and they tune in every morning and they tune in for the ski report but they also like to tune in to hear the local news. This local email that we send out, the, the local Monday through Friday, I'm looking at some other news emails that I get every day. They are riddled with ads, banner ads, pop-up ads. Um, The local doesn't have that, you guys. I'm not saying that we won't. At some point, we'll put something in there, but I guarantee you it will not be irritating to the reader experience. We want that tone of public radio to continue to the local. First and foremost, it is about important content and giving that to you um, so you can know everything you need to know about your community.
0: Four three five six four nine nine double o four again. Still looking for eight more phone calls. We can do it. Let's uh, let's talk a little about uh, the second annual Deer Valley Mountain Beer Festival. Must have been successful. You're bringing it back.
6: Yeah, it was very successful. Um, we have it planned for September seventeenth. Mid
5: September. Mid
6: September. <laughs> we'll get back to you on the details. Um, but Jacob's team just did an amazing job partnering with local breweries, and um, we had really great feedback and i think it was a great event because it was really local focused um which was a fun fun part of it so yeah
5: we've we've heard a lot about other beer festivals where it takes 40 minutes in line to get a beer and we really wanted to keep the attendance low so everyone there can grab a bite to eat really quickly throw some bean bags with their kids um, and actually talk to a brewmaster and build relationships and we're going to really keep to that same thread for this year. Um, and we're going to have probably a couple more local breweries um, tag on to the lineup um, and a couple more fun things and we, I think we're going to work with New West Life Works here on Main Street to create some activa- activations up there and kind of grow the mountainside of the festival a little bit. Maybe have Rosignol and some things there but really still keep it small enough to where you're not bumping into people. You can spread out. You can have kind of a picnic and talk to a brewmaster and enjoy.
0: So it's family friendly.
5: Absolutely. We have mm-hmm. a whole kids corner where kids get. My my daughter got her face painted. I almost got my face painted. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's supposed to be for everyone, not just your beer drinker.
0: All right. So is it kind of your Oktoberfest, if you will? Sure. Yeah. yeah.
5: It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's our October. September Dear
0: September Valley? Fest. September yeah. Fest, yeah. Yeah. fest, yeah, but they're always in September. So- I know. <laughs> I know <right>? <laughs> <laughs> Mountain weather. Yeah. 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 Four three five six four nine nine zero zero four. So that's going to be rolling out. We'll have more information in terms of getting tickets and things like that. Yeah, for
6: sure. And one timely thing that we haven't mentioned is we do have a Taste of Luxury series coming this weekend. So it's the Michelin star dinners that we've Jacob's team really have um, brought to life and have been amazing. And we have we just added a dinner on Sunday night mm-hmm. because the other dinners sold out so quickly. Um, and really, really cool opportunity. It's at the Brass Tag, and all of that information is is on the website. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's Giancarlo
5: Morelli uh, from Milan. So he's, uh, he's multiple. He's five or six restaurants, all Michelin star rated. Um, it's a four course dinner with him and our chefs at the Brass Tag Sunday night. Um, it's 280 dollars a person, and uh, it's it's we have four other events that sold out very quickly. So we added this one and. Um, yeah, hopefully it sells out as well.
4: Yeah, need a bigger venue, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Renee, we have a thank you from Nikki Sherwin. I guess this is an online donation. Thank you, Nikki. My guess is she's listening over the web from somewhere. We are about seventeen hundred dollars shy of where we want to be. Less than two minutes. I know we have some volunteers on the phone. We'll give you guys a full total at the top of the next hour. But we're still six donations shy. All set. We've had nineteen calls this hour, looking for twenty-five. Please call four three five. 649
0: yeah i got to play the last of the underwriting here but want to thank you uh susie and jacob for spending the last hour with us again to the staff and uh, employees there at uh, deer valley thanks for the great work this winter keep it up at the end is in sight <laughs> 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 closing day is what april april 16th okay all right and that's you're not thinking about extending at this point
6: it's april 16th at this time i guess (laughs) nothing is off the table but um yeah that's the plan today
0: okay again (laughs) thanks you guys so much for supporting kpcw we appreciate it thank you thank you you're listening to the local news hour here on kpcw you've been listening to the local news hour here on kpcw park city stay tuned we've got uh, headline news and then the utah avalanche forecast center